0: are listening to the St. Mark's podcast for May 29, 2022, the seventh Sunday of Easter. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. Well, more intentionally than ever this week, I've been pausing during our rushed morning weekdays to take my eight-year-old's face in my hands and look him in the eyes and kiss his cheeks before dropping him off at school. I'm right there with everyone else who is reeling from the latest mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas that took the lives of 19 children and two teachers, along with the 18-year-old kid who did the crime. We are all incredulous already to be faced with another one of these incidents so hard on the heels of the previous week's shooting in a buffalo supermarket and the one in a California church the week before that, and the no fewer than 200 mass shootings this year so far, and the almost 700 that happened in 2021. You know your nation is lost when it is harder for a mother to find baby formula on the grocery shelves than it is for a teenager to buy two two AR-15s and armloads of ammunition, even while he's still too young to buy beer. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy. Last Monday, many of us gathered in Morrill Hall for our third Let's Talk Race and Good Faith event. We watched the Washington National Cathedral's live-streamed conversation Between David Brooks, the well-known news columnist, and Dr. Catherine Meeks, well-known to Episcopalians as the director of the Absalom Jones Center for Racial Healing in Atlanta, Georgia. At one point, Dr. Meeks told a story about the Swiss psychologist Carl Jung when he was on a five-month psychological expedition through East Africa in the 1920s. Young wanted to encounter people who had not yet been influenced by the so-called modern world. One day, when it was time to move on to the next leg of his journey, his guides, that is, the local Africans charged with carrying his baggage and moving camp for Young and his entourage, they wouldn't budge. They weren't going anywhere that morning. When asked what was keeping them, one spoke up and said, we've been running like crazy all these many days and we left our souls back there somewhere we're not moving until our souls catch up with us after the texas school shooting dr Meek's comments were only more poignant to me she had said we left we've left our souls somewhere we need to sit down and let our souls catch up with us we have become a soulless people. She said we need to identify what it is we have left behind, because we don't really know anymore. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy. On this Memorial Day weekend, when we rightfully give thanks for all the men and women who sacrificed their lives in wars, defending our nation's freedoms, it is stupefying to consider that those thousands would have died in war, only for us to let our nation die by a thousand cuts of our own apathy. Apathy towards the weapon-fueled violence that continues to escalate within our own borders, among our own citizens, and with a frequency that far exceeds that in any other nation on Earth, modern or otherwise. And an apathy towards our political, sometimes religious, and corporate systems of power that all rely on money, lies, and greed to self-perpetuate and preserve their power. The only thing necessary for evil to happen is for good people to do nothing. Apathy is our undoing, and we must sit still with this truth. We must sit still to let our souls catch up with us. We are not living as the one nation under God that our dollar bill says we are. We have come unglued. Our collective body seems hollow where our soul used to be. Between our political polarization and the distrust of our leaders, an epidemic of mental illness and addiction, our collective denial of a climate crisis, the glaring isolation of our youth, our racially motivated hate crimes, and all of the violence in general that we witness and consume, we don't know where to begin to solve these things. The reptilian instinct is to run, run from our terrifying realities into alternate realities, to places of self-preservation or isolation where we think we can safely hide from the hard truths of our lives. We run in so many directions, we don't know where or when we left our souls behind. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy. Dr. Meeks names the perennial wisdom that spiritually awake people seem to come to realize, and it is that we cannot avoid suffering, loss, grief, sorrow, lostness. We cannot and should not run from these things if we are ever going to heal. We need to sit still and face our pain and our grief and our anger. We need to allow ourselves to breathe deeply, even and especially while faced with these problems. The headlines make our minds run, our hearts race, our blood pressure climb, But we need to stop running, stop racing, stop climbing. We need to take time to sit still and be quiet. We need to look inside ourselves and relocate our souls, our humanity, our connection one to another. And then maybe we will know how to to act effectively. Because effective action must be done with love. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy. We may feel helpless in our time, but we are not hopeless. We may be confounded by our problems, but we are not left comfortless as our opening collect prays. With every breath we take and every breath we release, we are alive with the Holy Spirit of God. We need to tap into our breath tap into the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that dwells deep within each of our souls, our souls that we leave behind when we're busy running and racing and climbing. Jesus prays his vision of unity for his followers, that we all may be one. Jesus' vision is for his disciples, but it is not for them alone. It starts there, but it is by no means limited to his own disciples or to the Christian church that came into being after his death and resurrection. Jesus' ultimate vision of oneness was for the whole human family, for all of humanity, that we all may be one. Jesus died showing us what God is like and what oneness with God and his fellow humanity looks like. Jesus radiated love and an attitude of nonviolence into the world under every oppressive situation, every violent threat, every chaotic scene. Because he was a human person, fully alive and fully awake, Jesus paused frequently to reg- and regularly to pray. He knew to sit still long enough for his soul to catch up with his very intense life of conflict, challenge, loneliness and hostile resistance to his way of love and inclusion. In spite of all that he faced, he never lost his soul to the headlines and fearful circumstances of his time. This is the last Sunday of Easter. It's a Sunday that, oddly enough, is all about sitting still and waiting. It is a time of unknowing. Thursday marked the day of Jesus' ascension into heaven on our church calendar. And next Sunday marks the Feast of the Pentecost, the feast that marks the time when the disciples experienced the rushing wind of the Holy Spirit, filling their souls and enlivening them to go out and boldly share their good news of God with the world. But between those two events was a time of great unknowing and waiting. The disciples were told to go to Jerusalem and be still there and wait for what God would do next in them. Jesus was gone from their sight. Those extraordinary resurrection appearances happened no more. And the disciples could have panicked. They could have lost faith that Jesus wasn't who he said he was. They might have become afraid and hopeless, but they didn't. They stopped, and they waited, and they remained hopeful. And the Spirit caught up with them and filled their souls. The Spirit filled their souls and enlivened their hearts and gave them the courage to radiate that same love, that same attitude of nonviolence, and the same practice of compassion that Jesus radiated, even under the pressure of his own day's political, religious systems of power and greed that tried to stop them. The power of Easter lived in them, and the power of Easter can live in us even while the world around us is caught up in a perpetual Lent, an ongoing wilderness that is enveloped in death and hostile to our souls and brings us to our knees with grief and sadness. And on our knees may be just where we need to be, waiting in the midst of crisis and pain on so many fronts, in quietude so that our souls can catch up with us, Let's do that. Let's sit still and breathe. And with each and every breath we take, let us remember that our breath is a gift from God. If you can pay extra attention to your breath today, this week, maybe practice meditation if you don't already, let it remind you that every other living being, every other living, breathing soul on this planet is also breathing with the breath that comes from God. While division defines the world today, we do well to slow down and pay attention to our source, our breath, that undeniable unifying experience that we all share. We are all one body in a holy God, the holy God who gives us our breath, gives us our lives. That must be the starting place for our healing work ahead of us. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy. Show us that we are one. Do not leave us comfortless. Keep us still in these days of fury and fright, violence and grief, and let our souls catch up with us. In the words from the Revelation to John, Come, Lord Jesus, come.